1: Teach you about a prayer posture called stillness. How is that for dramatic effect? Thank you. A prayer posture called a stillness. I wanna start off by telling you a story about uh, during the pandemic, like your families, my family and I, Pastor Pradeep and our two little kids, we were stuck in our house for over a year with no human contact and it was wonderful, but mostly horrible. And we realized that we needed some sort of routine in our family. And so literally every single day, Pastor Pradeep and I, we'd take care of our kids, we'd work, we'd tried to do all the things. And at three o'clock every day, we would pack the kids up in the car and we would go on a Jiva family car ride. Okay. Because this saved our sanity. Every single day we would go and we would call up our friends and we would say, Hey, we're going to drive by your house. Would you just wave at us? Some of you even remember us driving past your house, calling you and we would just wave and we would just drive around. Well, my daughter at the time was about 12 months old. And when we got in the car, she just really, really, really wanted to hold my hand. So Pastor Preeti would be driving. I would be sitting in the passenger seat, looking at him, I'd turn my body like this, put my hand behind, because Nala was behind me in her car seat, and I would hold her hand. And it would get uncomfortable, but I would just do it because she loved it, and it was just really cute. And like, someday she's gonna be like 15 and never wanna hold my hand. So I'm like, okay, just hold her hand, okay? So we began to do this. Well, this girl got so used to holding my hand every single car ride. Even when I was the one driving, I'm trying to drive, and I'm like trying to hold her hand, and I we're just realizing we have to, we have to change this. We have to cut this habit. I have created a monster and we have to change this situation. And so we decided, okay, Nala, when we get in the car, she would say, Mom, can I hold your hand? And so I'd say, Okay, five minutes, you can hold my hand, and then I'm gonna let go. And when I let go, this girl would literally lose it. She would cry, she would scream, she would kick her legs. And it was one of those moments as a parent where you're like, do I just push through and suffer through the screaming, or do I give in again? Because this is going to drive me crazy. And so we just kept doing this. This girl, a great word to describe this moment, when our children kind of lose it, she became completely dysregulated. I mean, she was just off the rails. Well, over time, day after day, we began to train her, and she started this process where she began to sort of manage her emotions and figure out how to not hold my hand every single day we got in the car. I have a little video of the process of what it meant for her to just sort of manage her emotions, pull it together as a 12-month-old and figure out how to regulate herself. Do you guys want to see this really adorable video of my daughter? Okay, here it is. Oh, oh no, you want mama to hold your hand? She's working it out, everybody. Making sure we're watching.
2: Are you sad, Nala? Said? Nala, are you sad?
1: Tell us. Deep breath. Okay, okay, baby. And there it is. A regulated child. Give it up for Nala. Did you notice? I mean, she is so cute. But did you know that notice the silent sobs? Did you notice the deep breaths, the deep breathing that was happening for her? Like, I didn't even teach her that, but she was learning how to regulate herself. And I think some of us feel like Nala. We are people who can become dysregulated very quickly. And if I'm honest, I think as adults, we are people that can sort of live in a perpetual state of dysregulation. Or we begin to struggle every day just. Keeping it together, because we often face just feeling completely stressed out. We're constantly in a hurry. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're depressed. All of those things mean that there is a dysregulation happening on the inside of you. And today what I want to do is connect this dysregulation to prayer. And how many of us operate in this state of just tension and stress and being upset, kind of like my daughter was. And I believe that God wants us to be people who operate in peace, with a true peace. How many of you need peace in your life this morning? There is a way to operate where the things in life, a dysregulated world around us, doesn't have to make us the people of God also dysregulated. We can be people of peace. We can be people who experience calmness. We can be people who can be self-regulated. Now, let me give you a definition of what I'm talking about when I say self-regulation. Here's a definition. Self-regulation is the ability to control one's behavior, emotions, and thoughts in the pursuit of long-term goals. More specifically, emotional self-regulation refers to the ability to manage disruptive emotions and impulses. In other words, to think before acting. Self-regulation also involves the ability to rebound from disappointment and to act in a way consistent to your values consistent to your values. Some of us get really dysregulated, and I believe that God wants to help us understand what it would mean to operate in a place of prayer and be regulated people. And so I want to introduce you today, to you today, the posture of stillness prayer. And this is going to be something practical that you can take with you as you continue in your prayer life. It comes from the scripture, kind of a famous scripture found in Psalms 46, Psalm 46, 10 says this, be still and know that I am God. Can we read that together? Be still and know that I am God. You know, King David, he wrote this scripture, being a king of a nation in a world of tribal warfare. I mean, I think that if we look at someone in the scriptures that was often dysregulated emotionally, it was David. I mean, David was a basket case. He was all over the place, okay? I mean, one minute, he is the guy that we know worshipped God. He pulled together the sons of Korah. He got them together to pray day and night in the tabernacle. And the next minute, he's the guy who gives into temptation, clearly because he's got some deep stuff going on in his life, and commits adultery with someone else's wife. This guy is just kind of all over the place. I'm going to read you a couple of his uh, words that he talks about in Psalms. David is always managing his inner life. He says, I am lonely and afflicted in Psalm 25. My life is spent with sorrow, Psalm 31. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise, Psalm 51. Shame has covered my face, Psalm 44. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep Psalm 8. The war rise up against me, yet will I be confident. Psalm 27.3. David was a wreck sometimes. He was dysregulated. He had an inner life that often experienced turmoil, but he also had an inner life with God that often experienced peace. And I believe that many of us, it doesn't matter our personality, it doesn't matter if we're men or women, we all get dysregulated. We all act out often in our dysregulation. And what I want to say to you today is our inner lives are something that we need to pay close attention to. It's so easy to just pay attention to everything exterior, everything that's happening all around us. Some of us culturally have no idea what it would really mean to identify an emotion or identify regulation in our lives. But it is important that we begin to understand that God is interested deeply in our inner lives. In our emotions in our feelings in our psyche in all of the ways that he designed us to work uh, some of us get dysregulated uh, and it comes from psychological diagnoses or special needs like my son OB with autism but some of us we just find ourselves quickly dysregulated by daily life we get up we go work out we have our coffee we have our shake and we get to work and someone does something that just ticks you off and the rest <laughs> (laughs) of the day you are dysregulated. Some of you are like that is me. That is totally me. Some of us we are having heated arguments in our marriage. We say things to each other that we can't recover from as quickly as we said them and we find ourselves as dysregulated in our marriages for years and years and years. Until you finally realize we've got to find some help and get regulated in our marriages. Some of us, we have addictions because we're coping with the inability to regulate ourselves. And so we find ourselves addicted to harmful substances. Some of us, we are just so disappointed with life. Everything was going fine until this happened or this didn't start happening. And we become dysregulated. We become sad and depressed. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel these things. I'm saying that God has peace for us in the midst of these moments of dysregulation. Some of us are just, you know, in a constant state of stress. And we just like to numb out to Netflix. Anybody with me? We love to. I mean, you guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is a safe place. Can I just be honest with you? I have a show that has made me laugh for years and years and years. It's called Friends, okay? And when I am stressed, all I have to do is go in my bedroom, lock the door so no children or husbands can come in. And I lock the door and I watch a couple episodes of Friends and I mean, it regulates me. I get a regulation because I just get out of my stressful world and I get into this zone. I mean, getting into this building, this, if I'm honest with you, we signed this lease a year ago, almost a year ago, and it's been a little stressful in our house and we are just coping, right? But we don't wanna just cope. But Friends, you guys, Friends, the TV show, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Friends has been there for me when the rain starts to pour. Friends, has been there for me, like it's been there before. Maybe like you, it's there for me too. Friends, friends. Thank you. We don't have peace. We find ourselves coping. We're regulating in all of the wrong ways. And you know what we're doing? I want us to catch this. We're blaming the wrong culprit. What we do is we blame our environment, we blame our schedule, we blame our responsibilities at home. Well, I hear people all the time, well, Amrita, I'm a mess and I'm stressed and I'm all these things and I can't relax and I'm always tired, I'm always sick and I can't get better, all these things. And it's always due to the situation around us. And I believe that we begin to blame everything on the exterior for our lack of peace on the inside. On the inside. And I want to read this quote, Thomas Kelly, because I want to set up this conversation in this perspective. Your inner life is not a mirror image of your environment. If anything, the opposite is true. We create an environment that mirrors our inner life. This was really convicting to me as i thought about this and i thought about the environment that i create and i want to talk to us today about the practice of stillness prayer and it comes from this book i picked this book up about four or five months ago praying like monks living like fools some of you are in small groups going through how many of you are in a small group right now going through this book A few of you are. It's one of the best books on prayer that I've ever read. And some of my material is coming from this book uh, on stillness prayer, talking about prayer in all different kinds of ways. So number one today is be still, simply, but also very difficult for a lot of us. Be still. What kind of environment is your inner life creating? Isn't that an interesting question? What does your spouse your children, your friends, what do they predominantly experience when they're around you? Is it stress? Is it sadness? Is it negativity? Is it irritability? Is it just kind of being sassy? Is it just kind of being edgy? What is it that people experience when they're in your sort of orbit and in your world. It's kind of crazy to me that Jesus could be the type of person that could be in a boat in the middle of a storm and still be calm and still operate in a place of peace. Let's read this story in Mark chapter 435. It says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion the disciples woke him up shouting teacher don't you care that we're going to drown when jesus woke up he rebuked the wind and said to the wave silence be still suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm then he asked them why are you afraid do you still have no faith the disciples were absolutely terrified who is this man, they ask each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Do you realize that Jesus in this scripture literally created an environment around him that mirrored his inner life? He literally, In the midst of an ocean, in the midst of a storm, he created an environment based on the peace of God which resided on the inside of him all the time. That is something that I believe God would invite us to live, a way that he would invite us to operate. So I became really, uh, I became very invested in this idea of what it means to operate in this place of peace because I don't know about you, but most of the time I'm not calming the storm, I am the storm. (laughs) Okay. So I realized I got to make some changes in my life, okay? So I got serious about becoming uh, what I like to call a non-anxious presence. Has anyone ever heard those terms before? A non-anxious presence. I'm going to give you a definition. Non-anxious presence, anxious presence describes an individual who can who provides a calm, cool, focused and collected environment that empowers others to be relaxed that i think is the goal when you think about what is it what is the environment that you're creating based on what's happening on the inside of you this i think is the goal i want people around me to feel relaxed i want them to feel safe i want them to feel like oh i can put my walls down i can be who i need to be if more of us were like that man i think it would change the world it would change our work environments it would change our churches right and so I realized that part of the reason that I was struggling to be a non-anxious person, be, being a non-anxious person, is because my nervous system was often just completely out of whack. We all have a nervous system that God designed in us. Okay, I'm going to teach you a little bit about this today because I like psychology and brain things. Anybody else with me? So I'm going to. Oh wow, a lot of you. So I want to read to you a little bit more about what happens. Listen, what happens in our nervous system because. Sometimes, if you're like me, you've tried to think your way to peace and it hasn't worked. You've tried to just like, you know, quote scripture over and over and over in your house and you're like, I'm still a wreck. I'm still like David. I'm all over the place. What is going on? Well, we were designed with a nervous system, all of us. And all of us can become dysregulated within our nervous system. I want to read this to you. The autonomic nervous system has two parts. The sympathetic and parasympathetic, also known as the rest and digest state. And when your nervous system is dysregulated, it becomes out of balance. The sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for managing stress, stressful incidents and emergencies, becomes overly dominant. So your parasympathetic nervous system, which helps you calm down, relax, and rest, is unable to exert any significant control over how you are feeling, thinking, or behaving. In other words, the fight-or-flight response becomes overly active, putting your body in a stressful and high-alert state. Isn't that crazy? Okay, I want to keep going. Long-term stressors can cause a constant state, a constant state of unease uncertainty, and worry. This can also happen as a result of past traumas. These trauma- traumatic experiences are manifested in our physiology, making our body think we are in a state of emergency constantly, and this is where the term dysregulation comes in our brain and our body when under constant stress or as a result of extreme trauma is over time less and less able to enter into the rest and digest state which can impact our mental and physical health. How many of you relate to that? You're like, wow. I mean, light bulbs started going off for me when I started realizing I can't just think of my way through this. There's something going on even on the inside of me. You know, I'm actually a person who inherited a nervous system that is constantly in this state of emergency because I grew up in a fairly abusive household. And so I just sort of inherited it. And it doesn't matter sometimes what all is going around me. I can be triggered just like that, and I feel completely dysregulated, right? And so uh, there are many different ways to sort of... uh, deal with these moments when we get dysregulated, when we're angry, when we're super sad, when we're stuck, when we're just kinda like, oh, just up here, when we're tense. A lot of times they teach you about deep breathing and taking deep breaths. Where our therapist, Pastor Pritipin and I, we go to counseling, marriage counseling, we love our counselor, and she says to us, hey, you know what, Amrith and Pritipin, did you know that you could regulate each other by giving each other a hug and holding one another very close to you until the dysregulated person Is regulated and so I laughed at this at first and so we decided to try it so we're at home and I am literally cooking and I'm cleaning and I'm getting ready for small group and I am doing 12 things at the same time and I'm kind of stressed and I'm kind of like just like jabbing at everyone in my house like do not cross me but I'm just also trying to get stuff done okay and Pastor Friedman just walks into the kitchen he puts his arms out he says, Amritha, bring it in. And I say, not now. Not now, we are not doing this. you Amritha, our therapist, come on, come here. Let me regulate you, let me regulate you. And I am so mad. And I'm like, do you realize how much stuff we could get done if we didn't stand here and hug for three minutes? You know, we don't got time for this. And so I finally come in and he puts his arms around me and I'm just yelling, I don't want to hug. I want your help. I don't want to hug. I just want your help. You know, and so he's just holding me and I'm kind of like when you pick up a baby and a baby's crying and they're just like wiggling and they're just, you know, just, just, you know, and you're just soothing it. You know, you're calming. This is kind of what's happening. I'm like a big baby in my husband's arms and he's just calming me. And what happens is his physiology of like calmness and peace actually begins to impact mine on the inside. And as you do that, all of a sudden, my body will just collapse into his. And all of a sudden, what it does is I let go of control. And I surrender all control. Another way to say it is, I let the Lord be Lord of my life instead of me being Lord of my life, right? And so I just collapse in his arms, and I just begin to be this regulated person. It's weird how it works, but that works, it happens. And I'm able to just sort of go back into those million things that I'm about to do, and and it's just better. And I'm calmer, and I operate in this state of peace. You know, Jesus, I think, is the greatest example of what it means to be a non-anxious presence. Tyler Stanton says this, Jesus was intentional, yet he was equally interruptible. Do you realize that he was in this boat sleeping? And the disciples interrupted his sleeping. And they said, Jesus, we're about to drown! Wake up! He was interrupted! And Jesus woke up and he just, he knew that God was in control. He knew that their lives were okay, that the disciples could trust him. There's another story. It's one of my favorite in uh, Luke chapter 8, where Jesus is on his way to heal a dead girl. He's on his way. He's walking with the disciples. And as they're walking in this crowded space, this woman who had the issue of blood, had been dealing with an issue of blood for 12 years, reaches out and touches his cloak. And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples say, uh, everybody, because we're all walking it like close quarters right now. Everyone's touching you. We're all walking. Jesus said, no, 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 Power just left my body. Who touched me? And what does he do? He stops and he turns around and he ministers to this woman with the issue. By the way, this girl over here is still dead, still needs a miracle. Jesus was unhurried he stopped and he ministered to this woman and then he continued on and he touched this little girl. Jesus had this ability in his interior life to operate in peace, in peace. You know, I uh, th- I love that Jesus could be interrupted without losing his temper, without losing his cool, okay? My daughter and I, we go to, I take her to school every morning. School is like four minutes away from our house, so we don't have a lot of time. We get in the car, I say, Nala, let's pray for school today. What do you want m- Mama to pray for? Um, well, Mom, will you pray for Obi? <laughs> her big brother. And I'm like, okay, let's pray for Obi. We don't have a lot of time, okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for Obi. I thank you for not Mom, can you also pray for, uh, that I don't have, uh, mom, can you pray that I don't have bad dreams tonight? Okay, yes, okay, but don't interrupt me again, now. Okay, we're gonna pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Nal. I pray in the name of Jesus against these, uh, these bad dreams. Mom, also, 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 mom, can you also pray for Lulu? Who the heck is Lulu? Lulu is her little stuffed bear. It's purple. Okay, what do you want me to, Lulu is sick. Can you pray for Lulu? You know, and so I'm like, okay Nala, but I don't interrupt me anymore, okay? Like we are praying, we don't have very much time. And I had to realize, why am I losing my temper when my daughter is asking for prayer? Okay, like what is going on on the inside of me? There's no reason to get dysregulated over that situation, right? and so i believe that jesus was an unhurried presence he knew how to be still and jesus was often dealing with some of the most horrendous situations that people in the world could be dealing with how did he operate with such peace and stillness in his heart I love this quote by Tyler Stanton because I believe some of us truly suffer on a regular basis from this digger, dysregulation, from a ner- nervous system that feels like it's constantly in a place of emergency, and we, we act out or we get really low because of it. This quote says this, when we stop moving, stop talking, and arrive present and quiet before God, he takes all of our disordered desires, disordered attachments, and codependent, codependency and transform them into love. He transforms our inner life. So I went on this journey of prayer. And in this book, it talks about what it means to operate and practice stillness prayer. And I want to teach it to you this morning basically what the author says is in your life you can incorporate a place where maybe you go somewhere in your house somewhere quiet I don't have a lot of quiet places in my house okay so I like go back in my bedroom lock the door and you can you go you just kind of create this ritual some of you maybe already have like a devotional life or whatever well I would say that this is uh, not the same it's a little bit different it's a posture of prayer where all you do is be still you're physically still, and you bring your mind to a place of stillness, and you bring your soul to a place of stillness. Some of you may even practice what's called mindfulness. I would just say this is incorporating the Holy Spirit into these moments of stillness. And so what I started to do a few months ago is I would find this place of stillness, and I would take a couple breaths. I would take a couple uh, breaths. Even Tiffany told us a couple weeks ago about these breath prayers. And so you breathe, and you say, Lord, I know that you are the Prince of Peace. And Father, I pray that you would fill me with your peace today. And then what I do is I hold my body, so I I set my alarm clock first. I had to start with two minutes. I'm not a very still person, okay? Set my alarm clock for two minutes, and I would take a deep breath, and I would just calm myself, and I would just say, Holy Spirit, come. Now you may wonder, well, aren't you praying? Shouldn't you be reading the Bible? No, all I'm doing is being still. It's like a sacrifice to the Lord. It's me just quieting my heart and quieting my soul. And this is hard, you guys. It's hard to calm your thoughts. Your thar- thoughts start going in a million different directions. And I just kept bringing it back. Sometimes in my, in my mind, I will recite Psalm 23. We sang about it. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. And I think about this. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm praying. But this is a posture of prayer where you are just being still because we are never still we are never still and God begins to do something I've been doing this and almost every single time I feel like God is sort of transforming and rejuvenating and even just kind of healing the dysregulation and the nervous system of my life growing up all those years in abuse it's almost like something's happening that, that, that all I needed to do was just be still before the Lord. I love this language. The purpose of this stillness prayer is consent, is consent. Stillness prayer is the daily practice of consenting to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the more you do this, the more essential it will become in your life. I rarely go through a day where I feel like I, I, I have to stop and I have to go do stillness prayer, where I am just quiet. And I know some of you are like, I got babies, I got kids, I got dogs, I got loud husbands, you know, all those things. I just want to tell you, you just got to find a space. And you do this. I've worked myself up now to 10 minutes of stillness prayer every day. And that's all you do. You open up your heart. You open up your life to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you just still. And I grew up in church where you just pray your guts out as long as you can for God to intervene in every area of your life. And there is a place for that, okay? But there's also a place, and I never knew this until now, there's also a place to just before the Lord become very still. Calm your soul, calm your thoughts. I guarantee you, if you start doing this, the Holy Spirit will meet you. There will be something that begins to happen, and you will begin to operate differently. And I have noticed that my, in myself that I begin to operate. I'm not flying off the handle as quickly as I used to. I'm leaning into those hugs more quickly. And so I encourage you to practice. Maybe just practice this week. Set your alarm two or three times this week for a couple minutes and practice stillness prayer. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Amen. All right. Number two is this. Know God. Prayer flows from the posture of our hearts toward God, not from a reaction to the world around us. Amen. How many of you, you know, a lot of times we like to fit prayer into our lives, you know, and I believe in this. I believe in washing the dishes and praying and talking to God and driving in your car and talking to God. I believe in all of that, but we can't just, we can't only fit God into our lives. I believe that we need to stop, we need to be still, and we need to know God. I love that the disciples, what they did is they asked God, they asked Jesus one question, they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? They watched him, they saw his demeanor, they saw his calmness, and they were like, I want to be like that. I wanna be like Jesus. I love this. I wrote it like this. Jesus' prayer posture started with God, not the needs of people. By the time he got to people's needs and prayed for them, Jesus knew his Father's love for him and those around him. The dysregulated world around him didn't dictate his presence. The disciples asked Jesus how to pray because they wanted to be like him. They wanted to know God. Know God. You know, I wanna close with this story this morning I think a lot of times we hear about how people are walking away from Christianity, they're walking away from church, nobody wants to know God anymore. Well, I want to tell you that that is not true everywhere. And there are a lot of people who want to know God, who are seeking Him. And I don't know if you've heard about this on the news or you've read about this on social media, but two weeks ago at a university in Kentucky called Asbury University, uh, if you don't know, a lot of Christian universities have a chapel, a chapel service, like a church service, in the middle of the week, okay? And at Asbury University, as a Christian university, they had a regular chapel service of all of these university students who attend that school, a regular chapel service, and all of a sudden they ended the service, which was totally normal, and some students started going back into the chapel and they started praying and worshiping, and they started to they they, they just kept, it's like the Spirit of God just, just came. And all of a sudden, more students kept coming to the chapel to pray. They were drawn to the chapel to pray for God. And the Spirit of God just came. God comes where He's welcome. And so they just kept worshiping, and they just kept praying. And do you know that it has been now two weeks of 24-7 prayer and worship at Asbury University, they're calling it a revival, They're calling it an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There are people from all over the United States now flying to Kentucky to say, God, we want in on this. We want to drink deeply from the waters of Jesus Christ. I want to show you a couple pictures. This, uh, this university has been filled with people who are coming. And what's interesting and so cool about this is that there's no words on the screen. There's no hype. All of the students are leading this. You can go to the next picture. There's crowds on the outside just waiting to get in because people want to know God. People are hungry for God. Don't be fooled. Not everyone is walking away from Jesus. There are many who are walking toward him. There are many who have tried everything else and they want Jesus. And this outpouring is happening right now in Kentucky. It's continuing to happen. What am I saying with this? I'm saying church that God comes where he's welcome and I don't want to try to manufacture a move of God in Seattle I already know that he wants to do what he wants to do here right and so this morning as we pray I believe that God would have us welcome him and he would begin to pour out his spirit on you do you know that the Bible says that in the last days God will pour out his spirit He will pour out his spirit on his sons and his daughters. That's you and me. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to take a moment. And I want us to pray this morning because I think some of us need the peace of God in our lives. Some of us want to know God so deeply. It's our hunger. It's our desire to know him. Some of us want to live a regulated life and not feel so awful all the time. So I'm going to ask my prayer team to come up here right now, if you would come pray. And if you need the peace of God in your life this morning. I want you to come and fill these altars. You don't have to wait. If anything resonated with you, you need God's peace. You need his direction. You need his healing. Church, come on. Let's go after Jesus and let's know God. And so I want you to come on up. I want you to also do this if you're not coming up would you just turn to the person around you would you create little circles of prayer and we should pray the peace of god over one another would you welcome jesus into this space come on i want you to turn to each other find each other i know it's a little bit scary and let's just begin to pray oh god would you come with your peace oh god would you come with an outpouring of your spirit oh god would you come and move in our midst here at Kalos church you are welcome you are welcome holy spirit you are welcome come holy spirit come holy spirit hallelujah come on church let's be a house of prayer god bring your peace god bring your peace
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.calos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.